today on HR Trends. You do have to care. The company has to care. People generally do not spend a lot of time. The best parts of their brain don't go to places that they don't care about. It's just like human nature. One way we can show care is by providing leave and supporting them when they can't come to work, right? So a lot of companies focus so much on when employees are at work, but what about those times when our employees can't come to work? And so paid leave in particular is one way that employers can show that they care about their employees and they're supporting them holistically in their whole selves, not just their work selves. Welcome to HR Trends. I'm your host, Claire Morin. And today we are talking about the care opportunity at work. This is part of our Difference Makers series. And our first guest today needs no introduction. Megan Rapino is a difference maker on a global scale. She is the captain of the U.S. national women's soccer team, a gold medalist, a two times World Cup champion, and is renowned for her activism. In February 2022, after a lengthy legal battle led by Rapino, the U.S. national women's soccer team reached a historic equal pay agreement with the U.S. Soccer Federation, which included $22 million in back pay for the players and the promise of equal pay going forward. Today, Megan Rapino is Chief Equality Officer for Truzaic, a leading workplace equity company focused on advancing social good by solving HR's most complex challenges across people, data, and analytics. Megan, it's such an honor to have you with us. Oh, thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. We also are welcoming back Ellen McCann, Assistant Vice President of Leave Solutions at Unum Group. Ellen serves as a leading expert in applying benefits and benefits technology to power modern solutions to more effective employee leave programs, stronger regulatory compliance, and enhanced digital HR transformation. In this role, Ellen combines more than 30 years of employment law experience with practical knowledge of the complexities of leave and accommodation management to help develop and create solutions that enable employers to address the challenges of leave and accommodations. Ellen, it's great to have you with us. Thank you, Claire. I'm really happy to be here. So, Megan, I wonder if we can begin by actually taking you back to your famous speech when you were standing on the steps of City Hall in New York City in 2019, in July, after you'd won your second World Cup, and you gave this extraordinarily inspiring uh, speech. And, and part of it, you said, and I'm going to quote you here, you said, this is my charge to everybody. Do what you can. Do what you have to do. Step outside of yourself be more, be better, be bigger than you've ever been before. It's so inspiring. And I wondered if you could begin just reflecting on that message today and in the context of employers and HR. Yeah, it's crazy that that that, that was so many years ago now. Uh, it feels very much uh, like it was yesterday. So it's like uh, I'm having a little bit of a, a flashback um, mind, body, and soul flashback into that moment, um, which was obviously, you know, incredibly special. And it was just a fun day. 
um, we obviously enjoyed ourselves as much as we possibly could. Um, I think specifically what resonated about these words in, in sort of that moment and the way that I really meant it was like, anybody can do this. Like this is, this is everybody's ability, whether you're, you know, a school teacher, you work in HR, you're, um, a CEO, you're an athlete, you're, you know, president of the United States. Like it doesn't really matter. Um, and I think sometimes people get a little bit paralyzed into inaction by thinking like, well, what it's like, what am I going to do? I mean, I'm just, I'm just me, you know, I'm just this one person or I don't have a huge platform like Megan does or like, you know, sure. I would say those things also if I was on the steps of city hall, but I'm not, I'm just like in my workplace, I'm just the HR manager. So what, what do I really do? Um, but I think for me, what I really meant with these is with these specific words is like, I personally believe that it is our responsibility to make the world a better place and to contribute to society, community, family, friends, workplace, all of that um, in whatever way that you can and whatever the way that you're going to be most impactful. It's like, what's the point of living life? if not to live it and to be, you know, the, the best version of yourself and to get the best out of everyone. And hopefully everyone feels that way. I'm not a religious person at all. So I'm not waiting for anything, um, coming in the afterlife. So I'm like, this is the one, this is the one we got. Um, and, and I think that that did resonate with people because it was, it was validating and I think motivating in that, no, the smallest steps are just as important as you know the perceived larger steps it's just in a our society values certain things over other things which is not a, not always a good thing um but you don't have to be megan rapino who just won a world cup getting to stand on the steps of city hall to make a really big impact or to be a part of an organization that makes a really big impact that impacts people's lives that those people go and impact other people's lives and you know the sort of ripple effect so um that's kind of what I, I meant by that. And so I think you can extrapolate that into um, working in HR. You obviously are, are touching all of the, the human parts of the companies or of the places that you work, which is essentially like the, the point of life without the humans in there. Like we're not, you know, we're just not really doing anything. That's kind of where everything starts. That's where the magic is. That's where um, you know, the, the sort of special sauces. So to take that and to do the best that you can simultaneously for your, you know, the company that you're working for, but also for the people working for the company, you create that kind of, uh, mutually beneficial relationship where people buy into, um, where they're working and they feel invested and they also feel invested in, they feel valued and they feel seen and it's mutually beneficial in, in that way. Um, so that's kind of what I, my, my charge was, I guess, or my, my hope is that people took that and felt inspired to do the biggest things and the littlest things um, alike. That is so awesome. And it's so timely right now for HR in this world we're living in with so much volatility, right? And and here at Unum, you know, we've been looking at this a lot of this, what we're calling almost the care opportunity. And Ellen, I'd love for you to kind of Add to that, I know some recent data coming from LIMRA, which is a 
big insurance industry research um, association, they released a recent report, 2022, showing the top drivers is what is keeping people in companies and what's driving them out, right? And the second highest driver for retention right now was surprising actually to them because it, well, number one was very clear. It was, you know, my company's offering me career progression, fair enough. But number two, 7.4 times more likely to stay with a company if my employer is demonstrating care, <laughs> they're caring for me, like you said, as a human. So that was like nearly tied as, as the leading reason people were staying. Then when you look at the leading drivers, pe- uh, driving employees out, <laughs> very interesting, way ahead of everything else, 6.8 times more likely to leave my company if my employer is not committed to supporting diversity, equity and inclusion. Right. So to your point, it's very relevant, Ellen. So I'd love to hear from you on that and HR. Yeah, I think, Claire, and I think um, Megan hit it so nicely, and that is HR, right? We need to think about the humans that are involved in that work in our companies. And so one way we can show care is by providing leave and supporting them when they can't come to work. Right. So a lot of companies focus so much on when employees are at work. But what about those times when our employees can't come to work? And so paid leave in particular is one way that employers can show that they care about their employees and they're supporting them holistically in their whole selves, not just their work selves. And we know really paid leave, it didn't get a lot of attention historically. It didn't have the attention it deserved. And I think one thing we saw through the pandemic was it highlighted in a very real way the need for employers to be giving their employees more more leave, particularly paid leave, and helping them out when they needed that help. And we're seeing employees take leave in record numbers. We're seeing leave be valued more highly than ever by both employers and employees. And we really, I think, as employers need to lean into that. We also need to realize that when people take leave, it has a ripple effect across the entire economy, right? Because if someone needs to be out of work because they have their own uh, illness maybe, or they need to care for someone, that doesn't just impact them, it impacts the, the company that they work for, impacts their other employees. So how can we be supportive of that and help get them back to work earlier because they have the support they need? And I read an interesting article this morning about the lack of access to paid leave across the country. And as everyone knows, right, the U.S. is one of the few countries that doesn't have a paid leave program at a national level. And what was interesting about the article, it talked about the disparate impact on the lack of paid leave for lower earning employees and said, you know, there's a lot of employees in the U.S. who have no paid leave access at all. Right. But when you look at that lowest echelon of wage earners, they only have only about 12% of them have access to paid leave. So that's a great way for employers to show they care about their employees, right? They can give them paid leave. They can help them take care of their lives and their families and things they need to take care of, but they can't just stop there. They have to look at those leave policies paid or unpaid and make sure they're inclusive and make sure they're equitable because that's a way to show care as well. So one of the things we often see is we see employers, they pass these policies and they, they're great. Their intentions are fantastic, but maybe that policy isn't equitable because it only benefits a very small segment of the population. So if we look at paid parental leaves, right, we all know those are great things to have. It's important, but it only benefits a small segment of the population. 
So what about folks who aren't having children or have already had their children? What about people who are caring for elderly parents or partners? Employers really want to think about, should we be adding paid caregiver policies in addition so that we're really serving a larger impact or a larger percentage of our, our people? And it's more equitable to have benefits everyone can use. That's wonderful. And Megan, obviously, pay equity is a huge piece of this displaying parity, right? Like and and a tangible sign that you're caring for your employees. But I know I'd love your thoughts of some recent data coming from Harvard Business Review 2022 data showing some really interesting stats. Fewer than half of employees, so 41% of employees believe their employers have successfully achieved pay equity. So only half, fewer than half. 26% of employees say that organizations have been completely unsuccessful in ensuring equal pay for equal work. Also, that same survey was showing 49% of companies do not have a well-established pay equity plan in place, and nearly a quarter of employees are not aware whether such plans exist. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Megan, since you're close to this (laughs) issue yourself. (laughs) Yeah. We certainly didn't have any of those things, nor were we achieving equal pay on our own and left to our own devices. They're left to their own devices, rather. Um, I mean, I think this is like such a, a, a big and a simple problem. It's a complicated and a simple problem at the same time. Um, it's, it's simple because I think at the, at the heart of it, you know, and I'm, I'm hearing this word care over over and over, whether it's caregiving or care for the employee. And it's like you you do have to care. The company has to care. People generally do not spend a lot of time. The best parts of their brain don't go to places that they don't care about. It's just like human nature. We're just like we're not going to be that focused on things that we actually don't care about. So from you know, the executive level, obviously the CEO of a company is incredibly important. That person is the figurehead and, you know, ostensibly setting the tone and the vibe for the entire company. Um, that is really important that they care about it and that they don't just say, cool, like we're going to put up this pay parity thing for Women's Equal Pay Day or like, you know, it happened obviously with all the um civil unrest around racial injustice like oh we're gonna put up a black lives matter sign you don't do anything else like people are sniffing that out now i mean to go back to the stats you had before about you know who's leaving companies and why are they leaving or why are they staying people are it is kind of like common sense to people and i think they they know that they want to be treated fairly they want to work hard but also be compensated fairly for that and they want to be appreciated right and if those things aren't happening why am I going to stay here? I think people are a little tired of putting up with the BS. So I think particularly with the the pay equity, that has to be kind of the main thing. And then from there, this is where the more complicated parts come in. How do you actually do that? You know, how do you sort of undo, you know, decades and centuries of, of pay inequality or how do you undo pay inequality um, with someone who spent the first 20 years of their career not being paid fairly, how do you make it up? What are the solutions? Um, that's why I partnered with Trusaic a couple of years ago um, or last year. They're actually like offering a solution and a tool that companies can use, 
Um, and it's sometimes I think it's not because companies don't want to do it. It's like they literally don't know how or how do you catch it or how do you make up the difference or what what's the starting salary? How do you adjust for race, class, sexuality, all of these things? Um, you know, so the, the, the pay parity tool is is really cool because it does give people an actual, you know, a software tool that not only is just kind of like a one time audit, because I think that's what a lot of companies do as well. And it's like, well, then what? What that's that doesn't really do anybody any good to know what we already know. We already know this. So this is kind of like an ongoing software tool that companies can use. Um, that sort of runs in the background and it's kind of like, uh, you know, part of the health of the company is to continue that. And then I think another thing is like putting a lot of emphasis and effort on having, you know, we've, we've sort of called it the E-suite, kind of the uh, the equity officer, actually giving that person a lot of power, giving that person um, a say in the boardroom, giving that person a say in not just specifically, um, you know, the sort of softer touches on the business, but how that actually affects the bottom line and how it affects business and how we um, can get the most out of our employees and the most out of our business if we're doing um, these things in the right way that's taking into account people's full humanity and the whole thing. And we want people to feel appreciated. So I think it's kind of a combination of, of all of those things. And I think really with so much more publicity or so much more talk about pay equity. I mean, I think our team, you know, was was a big part of that. I think people felt so galvanized and so seen and so heard. And it was sort of this movement that people could really hang on to because before that it was like, what's the, it's like, it's happening to everyone, but nobody really knows how to talk about it. And it's not really sort of like a big movement. And I feel like that was kind of a, a galvanizing kind of figure in the whole space, having our team sort of do that. So I think my message to employers mostly would be like actually care about it. You need to actually care about it. You need to have a, a pretty high level of humility because most likely you're getting it wrong and most likely you're going to continue to, you know, get it wrong in the process of getting to what's right. Um, and you need to listen and show up. Um, and I think a real focus on diversity is key. I mean, you talked about it's like if you only have, you know, a white person running the HR department, there's probably going to be a lot missed when we talk about, you know, other ethnicities or other races or if that person's straight, you're going to have misses. So it's like that's the point of having everybody at the table is so we can get all the different opinions so we can identify the certain areas. Um, I think you're calling it protected classes. Um, you can sort of identify that and understand the unique uh, needs of, of everybody and then service the entire company from the HR department in, in the way that's, um, you know, most beneficial to the company, but also to the employees, which I think is kind of the same thing. It's kind of like your nothing is really split from, from yourself. It's kind of like your body, you know, your mind, body and emotional body and physical body. It's all one in the same. So if, if one is not operating at a high clip, it's going to affect the other ones. And I see that um, you know, translating into business and companies as well. If your employee base isn't isn't happy or if you're not treating them well or whatever it may be, um, the overall health of the company and the business and ultimately the bottom line is going to suffer pretty significantly, I think. It's such great. It's so true. And, and I'm so glad you brought up that connection because I was going to ask you both about that, actually, about 
how the impact of your team's very visible and public fight for pay equity, right? And it had impacts globally, right? It, it, it had a huge impact on women, young women, girls, right? Um, and meanwhile, what we're seeing too, and Ellen, I know you, you're very close to this data too, em, sorry, employee expectations are dramatically shifting. And that's then shifting how employers are showing care. So just a couple of data points here that are kind of interesting. 2022 Gartner data point, 65% of women say they are rethinking the place of work in their lives. 65%. Um, and then another study from the Employee Benefits Research Institute, 66% um, of employees say it's the employer's responsibility to make sure they are financially secure and well. So we've seen, yes, yeah, certainly since you gave that speech in 2019, this shift of employee expectations. And so maybe starting with you, Ellen, your thoughts on that shift? Yeah, I do think, Claire, we're seeing it all over that employee expectations are higher than ever, right? Um, we, we're starting to hear, of course, about a couple of large companies starting to make layoffs and uh, honestly disproportionately impacting women and, and minorities. And that's a, another problem for another day, right? But but we're, we really still are in a very tight labor market. And a lot of employees know that. And so they also know that to replace them and train someone new is very expensive for the employer. And so I think employees feel empowered for the first time, um, particularly employees who might have great experience or valuable skills. They can usually write their own ticket. But I do think the external environment has played a huge, huge role. And I think, you know, the U.S. Women's National Team in that fight transcended soccer and it transcended even the United States. I mean, I know there are there are women's soccer teams across the world that have been now standing up and saying that in, in other sports and in other industries as well. And so that really was impactful. It's an entire generation who've grown up watching this fight and, and seeing it be successful and seeing women who wouldn't back down and who wouldn't take no for an answer and women who did things like Megan, you know, I read your book and one chapter you start out with and you say, in 2016, I made X. And I won't say what X is, so people who haven't read your book will read it. But at the time, I thought, wow, like women don't talk about how much money they make. We just don't. We've been trained that that's not feminine or whatever. But man, it's so powerful to have people like you and like Alex and like Becky and others that we all know and respect standing up there and saying, we're going to tell you what we make. We're going to tell you what we deserve to make, and we're going to ask for what we deserve. And that just influenced so many people. I think the other thing that really has influenced people and, and influenced the expectation rising is, at least in my perspective, with Love Megan's is, you know, at least how I saw it, not being an insider, the men's national team stood up and said, hey, the women deserve equal pay, too. And so to get the CBA signed, you know, we're going, we agree that we're going to equalize the prize money. And so I think having support there, at least from the outside in, it looked like that also was a really defining point in what others were viewing that this is not a women's fight alone, that others should also be getting into the fight and should be recognizing these are human rights. These are rights we all need to stand up for, which is now impacting, again, an entire generation of people across the world and saying, hey, I deserve more at work. And I'm not going to be shy about asking for what I deserve. And that's that's new for a lot of people. 
That's so awesome. Megan, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. And really, as we're coming to close, as we're looking ahead, um, we're recording this beginning of February 2023, <laughs> um, you know, with HR having this powerful role to really help show this care that employees are saying we want to feel. <laughs> um, what are some other ways then maybe just some final thoughts around how employers can show that care? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is this is not an HR thing. This is just a life thing. I mean, good communication. This is like 101. What is the the pay equity program? What is the um, steps? What are the steps that the company is taking? Um, what's maybe a brief history of where we were, where we've come, where we want to go, our sort of, you know, 30, 60, 90 or 3, 6, 10 goals. Um, you know, what are we thinking about that? What are the areas where we're still falling short and we're trying to work through? Um, what do we need to know more from the employee that can help us as a company continue to like round out this sort of holistic approach to, to pay equity and to benefits and, you know, just general care, um, be transparent, get out in front of the issue. Um, an apology is incredibly powerful and very simple to do. We didn't get it right. We messed up. We're working on it. Um, you know, that would at times buy you a little time. That'll buy you a little grace with your employees. But, you know, certainly gaslighting. Everybody's like hip to that now. Everybody's like, nah, I've been in therapy since the pandemic. You're not going to gaslight me. I know what's going on here. So, you know, transparency. I mean, the the workforce is, I, I don't, I don't want to say savvier because that, implies that at one point they weren't savvy, but I think like just sick of the hooks being dug in so deep and selling your soul for these companies who are not willing to sell anything back to you. You know, it's kind of like that sort of relationship um, is kind of gone on this weird arc and maybe it's going back to um, a time where companies had more respect and employees had more um, skin in the game, you know, quite literally. Uh, I think for companies also just like be authentic, um, be upfront about like what you're really trying to do. Um, if an, if an employee knows or sort of a group of employees know that you're only doing this because the law requires it, or, you know, it's like you're, you're just technically doing what you're supposed to be doing, but you're not really actually doing it. That's going to get sniffed out right away. Um, you know, that's likely not transparent, bad communication and um, doesn't sort of lend to an open kind of like trusting two way relationships that I think employers really are employees really are looking for at this point. Um, and it has to come top down. I mean, we can talk about, you know, the efficacy of hierarchical structures of leadership and we should probably delineate some of that power. But most companies operate like that. And, you know, certainly from the C-suite position. Um, that needs to be a priority and it needs to be an authentic, genuine priority for them. They need to show the employees in word and in deed and in paycheck how they are caring for them and how much they actually do care about it, committed to fostering that kind of fair workplace. The leaders invested, you know, the, the employees can be invested in that there's sort of a, a trust that happens there. And then you get happier workers, which news alert, gives you better work, 
which gives you a better company, which gives you a better bottom line. It's like miserable people working on things is not ideal. It's like we don't even have why it's like we don't have to live like that. Why does everybody have to be miserable at work? Like we don't have to live like that. It can, you know, it can it can be an environment that people maybe it's not their most favorite environment in the world maybe some people like to hike more but i think it can be an environment where you do feel valued and you do feel respected and you do feel like you have skin in the game and like you're sort of in it together with the company and the employee workforce so i think kind of all of those things um you know again communication transparency be authentic be like really be about it and really show your employees that like you're with them you hear them um, you know, and, and in the areas where you can show them you care and in our society, the way that we show people that we value them is what, you know, what hits the chase account. So that's, that's the bottom line too. It's like, we don't, we you know, want just like a nice snack room. Like I want my own, I want the money too. <laughs> I want the money so I can make my own decisions as, you know, an autonomous adult, what I want to do with that. So all of those things, together, I think can, you know, kind of foster not only an environment where we're achieving pay equity, but we're like continuing to to build upon that. Is it maternity leave and paternity leave and familial leave? Is it caregiver leave? Is it um, more vacation time? Is it benefits? It's, it's like this whole package of things that's that um, I think the workforce is really wanting and needing and demanding at this point. But like all of that can go a long ways to continue to um, foster a better environment, not only for the employees, but I think for the employers and the businesses in a sort of holistic global sense as well. Awesome. I'm feeling like this is 2019. You're on the steps. You talk to HR. <laughs> feeling it. Ellen. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling it. Ellen, any thoughts just to finish on on that too? No, and I, I think, um, you know, agree with everything Megan said. And I think the other thing to think about, right, all of those things are so important, all of those benefits, the pay, everything. But also think about how your employees are accessing benefits and leave in particular and making sure that experience is equitable and inclusive as well. Right. And so when employees need time off, it's a stressful time for them. How are you making that easier for them? Meet them where they are. Right. And make and recognize that not all employees want the same experience. Many employees might want everything done digitally, mobile. I want a live chat. I don't want you to call me. I do not want a piece of paper from you, right? That's okay, provide that. But then make sure you know that other employees may say, no, I do wanna talk to someone. I do wanna read that hard copy. Um, Maybe I'm from a generation that you had to have the hard copy to believe it was real. So provide that to them, right? Um, But I think the other way to really step up as an employer is think about when your employees are out and they need paid leave, whether it's short-term disability or whether it's paid parental or paid caregiver, work on getting them paid as quickly as possible, right? We have all of these great modern digital ways that we get paid by our friends when we go out to dinner or whatever it might be. So, you know, lean into that, right? One of the things we're doing as an administrator is we're paying our customers, employees, short-term disability and paid leave claims through Zelle. Right. So we can get an employee paid oftentimes within 24 hours of making a decision for many employees who work check to check. We know a huge percentage of Americans are working check to check. That's the difference between having to work through an illness or not be there to support a loved one who needs you and paying the rent. Right. And so if employers are investing in that kind of technology, that kind of modern experience, 
that shows their employees that they care about their financial well-being, their emotional well-being, and, and their physical well-being. And those are just simple things we can do to make sure our employees feel as if we do care about them as people, as humans. Well, thank you both so much. I feel incredibly inspired. I know our audience will too. And Megan, we are wishing you all the best luck. Not that you need any. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, take, we'll take everything. You need a little bit of luck to, to win championships. I know. Megan, that. I need a fifth star right here. I want that fifth star at the end of July. So. And that's, that's Ellen referring to the audio listeners. Uh, she happens oh, to be wearing a certain um, shirt. The Women's National Jersey <laughs> has four, four stars, and they're going to get a fifth one this summer in Australia and New Zealand. They're going to bring it home for us. <laughs> so thank you both so much for your time, and have a wonderful 2023. Unum is a registered trademark and marketing brand of Unum Group and its insuring subsidiaries.